Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture, then we're going to pray together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, From Glory to Glory. Pray with me. God, thank you. You are glorious. You're everything that's good, God. You're everything that's holy. You're altogether lovely, God. And I ask you to reveal yourself to us today, God. I pray, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and speak to us now, God. I pray as we look to your word that you be our teacher by your Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. From glory to glory. This is a concept that I've talked a lot about over the last 40 years. But I see so little of it. And I want you to get in on the getting in. Are you hearing me? I want you to be able to definitively say, I used to be here with God, but now I'm here. I used to be this excited about God, but now I'm this excited about God. I used to pray this much, but now I pray that much. I used to feel the presence of the Lord in my life this much, but now I feel the presence of the Lord in my life that much. I've had people tell me, come and schedule appointments and say, Pastor, I've heard you talk about crawling up in the lap of God and feeling him wrap his arms around you and just comfort you. And they told me they've never felt that way before. I said, don't feel bad. Most people haven't because most people haven't gone from this level to this level to that level. And we want to get to where God has us. Because as I told you during praise and worship, we've been where we've been. And most of that, the Bible says, it's shameful to even talk about the things that were done during that form of your life. And, and nobody in this room wants the ten worst decisions of their life played on this screen right now. Could you imagine if I said, okay, y'all ju just pull up Wayne Dorsey real quick. We don't look at every time he ever disgraced himself. You, you, you want us to skip that and just live on grace? We just got to live on grace. And, but we've got to get to transition. We've been where we've been. That's shameful for most of us. We are where we are. Let me let, me, let, me let you guess like we're at Wednesday night. I said we've been where we've been, and that's shameful. We are where we are, and for the most part, guess what that is? But there's a place God wants to take us. He wants us to go higher. Oh, the hymn writer had it right when he said, Lord, plant my feet on what? Higher ground. We got to get on higher ground. The Bible says there is a higher calling in God. You can't get your feet on higher ground if they're stuck in the mud. But we say that he picked me up out of the miry clay and he set my feet on a solid rock. Uh, and, and then we dive back into the mud. 
I hope there's, if five people get this, I hope there's five people that really want to go from glory to glory. I hope that there's five people in this room that would say, uh, I've grown in Christ. Yes, I have. But I'm ready to grow more. I've I've transitioned some things, but I'm ready to transition some more. I've experienced a certain amount of God, but I'm ready to experience more. And this is the place where we need to be. I'm going to read some background. I started with verse 18. We're going to back up and and set some context on verse 18. We'll finish with that in a minute. But in verse 13, listen to what God said. Now, this is written to the church at Corinth. They were Corinthians, just like we're Floridians. They were Corinthians. So this is the second letter, possibly, that God inspired Paul to write to the Corinthians. There's some debate about whether or not the second letter was lost, and this is the third one, or... This is the second one, and the third one was lost. There undoubtedly were three letters. Let me just clarify any confusion. They weren't lost to God. God let them be lost to people because he didn't want them in his book. Everything that Paul wrote did not end up in God's book. Everything that Moses wrote did not end up in God's book. This book has been so thoroughly vetted that it is trustworthy to believe that, listen, what's in here is supposed to be in here. And so God is inspiring Paul, he's talking to a bunch of Jewish people and some uh, Gentile converts, but the, these people, they, 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 they were really deep into Moses. And in verse 13, the word says, we are not like Moses. Now, there's a comma there. You always should pay on, pause on the punctuation when you read Scripture. We are not like Moses. I'll throw in a couple of addendums for you. Nobody that you've ever met is like Job either. I've had people tell me, Pastor Scott, man, you just, you, you, just, you just go through and stay faithful like Job. No. I've had people tell me in my office, Pastor, I just feel like Job. I've just been going through. There ain't nobody you ever met like Job. Job's a standalone dude. No, there, there's people who have suffered loss. I mean, I look at Gail's mom. She's one of the strongest Christians I know, and she continues to remain joyful. She continues. There's no bitterness in her. She lost in a five-year period. She lost my wife, which was her oldest daughter. Then she lost her 90-year-old mo- 99-year-old mother, who was her best friend, uh, months before we were going to have the 100-year celebration. Then she lost her youngest daughter to cancer, all in the same period of time. She had two brothers. Their, her family was three of, of the kids, and she lost the closest brother to her in age and in, uh, uh, you know, uh, friendship-wise, all in a brief matter of years. And she just continued to give God praise and continued to give. But even her, even still, she wasn't Job. I mean, ain't nobody we know ever lost everything. All your kids died. All, 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 everything you own got burned up in a fire all in the same day. You, you, your, your bank put all your money in somebody else's account. You, you went flat, broke. Nothing. Nobody's been through that. We got to understand that the plan that God has for you, hear me good, is for you. God has a plan for you. And it's not for us to be like Job. It's not for us to be like Moses, but it's for us to learn how to be more like Jesus. Say Jesus. You ought to practice that name everywhere you go. You ought to practice that name. There, if, if, if there's one thing you need to be sure of, there is pow, 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 what? 
wonder-working power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Uh, I told y'all, it'd be hard-pressed for you to get me to admit that I'm scared of anything. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fraidy cat. I just don't operate that way. But sometimes, how many of y'all know if you live in a big house, big houses make noises? With, within uh, our house, it's only Seth and I in our house. I, I got one wing on the right-hand side. He's got the whole wing on the left-hand side. There's a lot of house in the middle. We, we can't hear each other yelling at us. But if I hear a door open, if Seth closes a cabinet abruptly to make a bowl of cereal, if, if, if Seth claps his hands to get his dog's attention, uh, let me just ask. Wave your hand at everybody, Seth, so I know who you are. Does the phone immediately ring? Do you know, what, do you know what's going to be asked on the other side of the phone? Was that you? Was that you? Did you just, call, did you just open the door? I, I just heard it sound like somebody banged on the wall. Was that you? I don't like houses making noises. And when they're gone and I'm there by myself at 223 pounds, worth the not scared of human beings, but when that house goes, and it keeps doing it, I'm like, oh, no. And, man, we got squirrels on our house. Sound like elephants running across our, our roof. I don't know if you ever had a squirrel run across your roof above your head. And all that starts happening. Then the wind starts blowing. You ever had that branch dragging on the wind? I, unscared of anything, just, just start saying, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. The blood of Jesus. I, I, just, I just channel my charismatic side. <laughs> hey, God wants to put you through some stuff. And you got to figure out how to get from where you are to where you want to be. Not one parent in this room wants to see their two-year-old stay stuck as a two-year-old. You don't want to see your 13-year-old stay stuck as a 13-year-old. We want to see people progress and become more of what they were created to be. So in verse 13, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and God is inspiring him to say these things so it would be God's word to them 2,000 years ago. But God also knew it would be word for us today 2,000 years later. Amen? So the Bible says we have all these stories for our examples so we can learn by them. So this is what... Uh, the Apostle Paul is doing now, he's, he's talking about stories from the Old Testament they can learn by. He said, we're not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. Now, in Exodus 34, don't go there now. We're not going to go there now. We're not even going to put the verses on the screen. You can go there later. In Exodus 34, it tells the story of when Moses went back on the mountain to get the replacement tablets. From God. Anybody realize there were, there were two originals and then there were two replacements? Yeah, because even Moses was a rageaholic maniac and he just smashed them. So he went back up there to get another set. But when he was there, God revealed himself to Moses in ways people had not seen God before, had not been revealed. And, and here's the reality. Some of y'all, you, you might have had it said about you. You, you might have said it about somebody else. Whether somebody's uh, pregnant or they're up to something, 
they just have that look. You ever, you ever have somebody have that look in their face like, you've you, you been up to something. Well, when you get close enough to God, you're going to get a radiance about you that everywhere you go, people are going to know. You, you, you've been up to something. There's something different. And when Moses would come down off the mountain, he would be glowing so much, it scared the people. And they said, we don't want God to talk to us. Where's, what, what's going on with you right now? Miss me with that. And that's what the majority of Christians are saying now in 2022. Oh, you mean you want me to read my Bible every day, pray every day, seek God more than I seek anything else so his glory will be on my life? Yeah. Oh, no, miss me with that, man. Plus tithe? Oh, miss me with that. Listen, it, it, the more things change, the more they stay the same. People wanted to miss. They said, no, we don't want that. <laughs> we, we don't want to be so close to something that it changes the, the, the appearance, the, the, the very look on our faces. So you talk to God. When you come talk to us, you put a veil across your face so we don't even have to see God's glory. Oh, if I had the time, I'd let you know how little people want to see God's glory right now. I, I, I love the way one theologian said it. Lots of people want to see Pentecost but nobody wants to pay the cost. Lots of people say they want to see the glory of God in the land of the living, but they don't want to give up on their junk. Lots of people say they want to see God do something for them, but they don't want to do anything for God. This is people who are content to, to let somebody else have the glory of God, covered up enough because you're making us look bad. You got the glory and we don't. And this, this, this is what the context is for what he's saying when Moses put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see. The, he wasn't trying to hide the glory for them. They didn't want to see it. They didn't want to, they didn't want to get close enough to God in their own lives. They didn't, want, they didn't even want to get close enough to the man of God who had been close to God. Because how, how many of y'all know scriptures are taught but spirits are caught? They wanted him to put a veil over that so we don't catch that. You ought to want the glory of God in your life. You ought to want the radiance of God in your life. In verse 14 the Bible says, but the people's minds were hardened. This is the people who didn't want to see the glory of God. They, they, they claim that they love God, but they're like at a distance. How, how many of y'all know majority of people love God at a distance, if at all? I'll go this far, but I won't go any further, is the mindset of most people. It says, and, and here's what happens to people like this. Their minds were hardened. It says, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Now, I need you to get this. So I'm going to let you say it out loud. This, this veil, this limited ability to see God, this, this, this thing that hinders us from being able to grasp more of God, it, 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 it's separating, it's, it's, it's covering, it's, it, it's like a, a woman. I don't even know if they wear them anymore, but back in the day when, when brides used to wear a veil over their face, it, it's, it's covering something that is going to be revealed that's supposed to be great. And as a result of people saying, no, man, you got you to cover, cover that up. Don't miss me with all that extra holiness. Miss me with all that tithes and offerings. Miss me with all that. And God hardened their mind. And, and to this very day, whenever, whenever Scripture is being read, for, for the majority of the people, there's still this, this shield 
this veil, and it covers their minds so they can't what? So they can't understand the truth. Don't nag at lost people for being lost. Don't nag at lost people for doing sinful things. Don't nag at, at people who are living contrary to the way God tells them to live if they're not even saved. How do you expect unsaved people to live saved when most saved people don't even live saved? It says they, they cannot understand. Listen, the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they're spiritually discerned. That they, they, they can't know these things. They're foolishness to them. When we talk about, when, when a real Christian gets together and talks about how great God is, people are, the majority of people even in church, oh, there she go again. I, I, I bet she ain't all that. I bet I follow her three days, all that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that's just, you got a veil on your face. You don't want to see the glory of God, even on another human being. They didn't want to see the glory of God for their own self. They could have went up the mountain and heard God talk. But they're like, no, we don't, we, we don't want to go through all that effort. That looked like a high climb, and, mm, you know, I ain't really living where I need to be living right now to get up there with God. So, you know, shuffle on up there, preacher, and you get all that glory, and you, you just give me a half a spoonful of it. And that mindset causes a veil over your eyes. So when some human being tries to glorify God in front of you, you start doubting them. You, you, you start conditioning yourself to, to think, mm, just because I don't have a glow, their glow is fake. Listen, just because you don't have a glow, don't make another person's glow fake. It just makes you not have a glow. And this veil can only be removed by what? Believing in Jesus. But if you would just set aside everything, you're like, well, I do believe in Jesus. Well, okay, let me, let me. Uh, so do you, do you believe that Jesus should be obeyed? He said to obey him. Now, if you believe in Jesus, you ought to believe in the words that he said. He saw this so much, people claiming that they loved him, but they didn't want to see any glory, claiming that they loved him, but they had a veil between them and God's glory that he finally told the people that were following him, why do you even call me Lord when you don't do the things that I say? There's a price to be paid for greater anointing. There's a price to be paid for greater connectivity to God. There's a price to be paid for transitioning from one level to the next. And when we start believing in God, or start believing in Jesus, what did Jesus say? My Father seeks what? Worshippers. Where are you at? Non-worshipper. Why, why, why do we have to go through such extremes to get people to worship God on a Sunday morning in a church. We, we, we just, you, you, you wouldn't get that from a grandmother. Oh, you wouldn't get that from a grandmother. If it was, if it was second grade, uh, what do they call them days when they hand out stuff? Not promotion days. Um, award ceremony. If it, was second, if it was second grade award ceremony and you could catch one of the grandmothers outside, you wouldn't have to prompt her to say, do you think your little grandbaby is special? I need a veil on my face for all that talk you got going on about your grandchild. You know, okay, time out. Yeah, I get it. She's more wonderful. He's more wonderful. Listen, if we believe everything, Jesus said God's looking for worshipers. Jesus told us to live holy. Jesus told us to put God first and let everything else 
fall in line. But we're right there where these people are. These are people who've been delivered out of Egypt. These are people who've been delivered from slavery. These are people who are following God, yet still no glory. Following God, but yet still no true understanding of what's been going on. Verse 15 says, yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. Now, a lot of people will tell you falsely that this is only speaking about Jewish people. And there is no doubt that the Jewish people have a veil that prevents them from understanding that Jesus is Messiah. Of everybody, all Jews should embrace Jesus. All Jews should embrace uh, being born again uh, based on uh, faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Jesus is Jewish. Jesus said he came to save the Jew first. They don't even believe he's the Messiah. And we look at that and think, well, they, they, they should believe. Listen, there's lots of reasons why they don't believe. They, they were in their word. They, they were in their word, and they knew that the Bible had prophesied that Messiah would establish the throne of David in the city of God and reinstitute theocracy as, as the political law of the land, and that God's people would be on top and everybody else would be on bottom. So when Jesus died and went away, they automatically thought, well, he must not be the Messiah because he did not set up a political government. He did not set up a throne in the, in the city of David and establish God's rule on the earth. What they don't understand, because they got a veil over their face, is it's coming. It's because he didn't do it before he left the first time. doesn't mean he's never going to do it. The Bible says he is. He's going to come back. He's going to come back. Here's what's going to happen. One day he's going to come back. He's going to stop in the clouds. Because they said the same Jesus that you saw will one day come again in the same fashion. They saw him go up into the clouds. He's going to come back into the clouds, and he is going to blow the trumpet. And he is going to snatch up all of the saved people. Some people call that a rapture. Other people say the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, catching away is in the Bible. And that, that, that's, that's where the Greeks got their word rapture. And then we're going to go live up in heaven somewhere from, you know, three to, three to seven years, depending on what your theology is about the tribulation. But three years minimum, seven years maximum. And then we're going to come back. We're going to come back with Jesus riding on white horses. It's going to be a battle. But then Jesus is not coming back in the clouds then. He's going to come back and put his foot where? On the Mount of Olives. He's going to split it wide open and, and, and let them know. One of the greatest things, I still watch this. I don't know why I watch it. I, I just love The Rock. I, uh, listen, I don't even have to say no homo, but I love The Rock. I love The Rock as a wrestler. I love The Rock as somebody getting interviewed on late night television. I love The Rock on YouTube. Uh, I love The Rock, especially in wrestling, because y'all know my family loves. We've been to WrestleMania, seen, seen The Rock fight in WrestleMania. Um, but one of the greatest things The Rock did when he took some time off, and I, I pull this up every now and then when I just need, you know, to energize a little bit. Uh, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, when he came, took a hiatus, made movies, took off wrestling for a while, then he came back. And every city he went to, he, he would say the same thing to them. 
Finally, the rock has come back to Philadelphia. And the whole crowd would just go nuts. Then the next week, finally, the rock has come back to Jacksonville. Let, let me, and people would get so excited. Can I tell you whether or not he puts on uh, a skin-tight underwear and, and plays a superhero called Black Adam? Uh, he, he can only generate so much excitement. One day, we're all going to be able to look at each other and say, Finally, Jesus has come back for his people. But people get that veil over their face. If you didn't think about the, if you didn't think about the, the fact that uh, today could be the last day on earth, if you didn't think about every day this week that this could be the last day before Jesus comes back, you got a veil. Oh, it might be a, a thin veil, but it's a veil. It might not be totally blocking you from seeing everything about God, but it, here, here's the reality. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag and let you know. We're all veiled up at some point. This isn't just talking to Jews. All of us are guilty of having our hearts covered with a veil every time we tell God no. The only reason we're able to tell God no is be, because we don't do what he said we have to do to get the veil gone. Without it being on the screen, anybody remember what we have to do to get the veil gone? Believe in Christ. If, if, I, if I ever told you or Jake, Seth, um, let me hear you say that one more time. You ever heard me say something like that? Did, did, you, did you think it would be wise to say it one more time? If I, if, I, if, I, if I told you I better never see you do something again, did, did you think you should do it again? Absolutely not. If you ever, if you ever said no to me, and, and I said, don't say no to me, son, what, what was I trying to say? Say no. You're welcome to say no, but you better say no, sir, with, with, with a calm, quiet, uh, high-pitched voice that, that lets, lets every animal in the room know who the big dog is. You know why he does that? Because he believes in the words of Scott Becker. Do it, do it again. Now see, and he knows I'm dramatic. He knows he hasn't been spanked in over a decade. He knows I've never picked him up and thrown him through a wall. But that ain't going to stop me next time I feel like saying, if, if you roll your eyes one more time, I'm going to walk over there, grab you, and throw you through a wall. Now it's not that he thinks I'm literally going to throw him through a wall. But guess what? Attitude changes. He believes something. He, he, he believes it ain't worth trying. He don't have a veil over his heart when it comes to believing that, that his dad will, will, will take away his phone. He doesn't have, he, he knows that there ain't nobody to play with. Why do we feel so free to play with God? God said, rejoice in me always. We walk around bitter, bad mouth. God, God said, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. We, we walk around wore out and exhausted. We, 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 we've got this veil over our heart. We, we would say, oh, 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 no, wrong. You're wrong, Pastor. I believe in the Lord. Really? Really? Let's, let, let's just have, see, I don't know. God's honest truth. Let, I'll, uh, let, 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 me, let me just verify. Who, who, who counts money in the count room? Okay. Carol, you ever counted money with Sonia? You ever counted money with Diane? You ever counted money with me? 
Diane, you ever count money with Carol? You ever count money with Sonia? Count money with me? Sonia, you ever count money with Diane? You ever count money with Carol? You ever count money with me? Y'all write down who gave what. Y'all input it in the computer. Dina balances it out, takes it to the, to, do, I, do I take the bank deposit to, to the bank, Dina? Do, do I even know what people gave on Sunday? I've no, I, I don't know. That's between you and the Lord and, and you know, the handful of people I just said. <laughs> Make me start checking with Sonia because, <laughs> hey, Cedric's got this going on. He did marry a much younger, much better looking woman than he deserved. Ain't that right, Sonia? That's <laughs> so true, it's funny to her. Huh? <laughs> but 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 here here's here's what he got in exchange for that. She ain't sugarcoating nothing for him. Uh, just ju- just just because you know a lot of people, a lot a lot of, and, and they ain't that far apart in age. And 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 I, and I I'm on record as saying uh, to, uh, uh, I, I admire I admire Deacon Dixon. He one he one of the greatest people I know, one of the best looking men I know. Oh, older than me, but looks younger than me. He is shorter than me, but I don't hold that against him. <laughs> yes or no? Um, but here's what most, most people think. Well, if an old man with money, he was an E9, 30 years in. What did you make, E5? I mean, that's like a billionaire marrying a paper carrier. You know what I'm saying? E9, that you, you, to, get, to stay in for 30 years, the Pentagon has to know who you are. Don't they? You got to have congressional approval. To, to, to have all that. They, they throw you out at 20. You stay in the past 25. The, the Congress knows who you are. So uh, most people think a rich man uh, swoops down on a woman with less money and, and looks really good that she's just going to be glad uh, and put up with anything he throws her way. Listen, he can get that. <laughs> she's going to tell him the truth every time he asks. Yeah? She's going to tell him the, just how it IS is. She ain't sugarcoating it. E9 don't mean nothing to her. Big houses don't mean nothing to her. Your brand new truck don't mean nothing to her. She's got a commitment. She's going to say what she feels. Yeah. That's just, that's just how they, I say all that to say, I might, ne- next time somebody tells me how much they love the Lord, uh, I'll make sure you're there so you don't wonder what, what we're talking about. But I just might pull Sonya off the bottom thing. I'm about that Jimmy Rich. He up there front rowing. You know, is, is it, don't answer now because you want to humiliate him in church. But I don't know if he's hit the plate in the last year. But I just might have to start. I know Sonia will tell the truth. Hey, what about, what about this one over here? What, 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 what about Carol? She's in here counting money. She ever hit the plate? Hey, hey, she knows. I don't know. I don't know how who gives what. I don't know. Uh, how much you give, but God does. And there is, there, there, there is this veil over some people's heart when it comes to giving. Well, I love the Lord, but miss me with that bucket. Why? God commanded us to give. There, there are some people who give, and they love the Lord, but they're mean. And listen. If you're mean and you know you're mean and you're trying to not be mean, I'm proud of you. 
and I want, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what one, what one philosopher said. If you're going through hell, keep going. Thank you, Diane, the only person in the room that got it. If you're going through, keep going. Don't lay down in it. Don't just stay there. Just, don't just, just cover your whole face and body with a veil and say, well, it's my lot in life. I guess this is how it's going to be. No. The Bible says that we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But we get, we get these things that we're veiled off to. Oh, I'll forgive them, but I won't forget. That ain't no kind of forgiveness. Mm, they say they love the Lord. I got my, I, I got my stink eye on them. <laughs> that ain't no Christianity. It's a veil. That's, that's, a, that's us walling ourselves off to certain things that God wants us to do. But listen to the promise in verse 16. If you get this, you're going somewhere. No, 16. But whenever someone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. And that's not just in salvation tents. That's the initial taking away of the veil where you finally see who God is. Oh, and I love that. I, I, I love new Christians. I love, I love babies in Christ. I love people who've just gotten saved. I can still remember, and I believe this is why I still serve the Lord, because I never forgot and I never got over what God did for me on July 15, 1981. I never felt like I deserved it. I, ne I never felt like uh, it, it was less than a, a miracle. And I know what it's like to be a brand new believer in Christ, to be born again, to have a whole new life, to have the weight of the world taken off me, to be delivered from my guilt, my sin, my stain, my shame, all that. To be accepted in God's family. Oh, when all that stuff, this stuff would hit me. Me and Dina, I got saved and Dina got saved not long after that. And we would call each other back when, you know, you, you had to wait for somebody to be home. Anybody old enough to remember that? No cell phones in my childhood. Wasn't no cell phone in most of my adulthood. But we'd, we'd wait to call each other, and, and, and either I'd call her or she'd call me and say, Oh, Scott, I got, I got to share this with you. I found a what? Found a nugget. I found a nugget. I, and, and we were learning stuff, and it was blowing us away. You know why? No veil. And the brand new Christian has no veil. The, the, the birds sing sweeter. The sky is bluer. The rain is supposed to rain because the grass needs to be green. It just everything was on better. Why do only baby Christians feel that way? Because they have believed in Christ and they have not veiled themselves off to the incredible nature of who God is. But then you get around other Christians, and they start telling you, oh, just calm down. You'll be all right. Uh, why, why, why are you crying every time we come to church? Uh, I mean, just constant throwing, uh, throwing cold water on, on somebody's fire. You turn to God the first time, no veil. But then life happens. Sin happens. Shame happens. Loss of reputation happens. Man, if you want to criticize somebody, Look up in the Hebrews Hall of Fame of Faith at the giant list of whoremongering, liars, and murderers that are the best Christians in our religion's history. The people aren't the prize in Christianity. God is. 
The, the, the people aren't the main feature. God is. And so when all of life starts to happen, after you get saved, and boom, you're growing so fast. You're just soaking up God. You're just saturating in the spirit of God. Every time you read something, you're like, oh, I can't believe it jumps off the page at you. you got to call your little brother and tell him. It, it is just real. And if truth be told, I would, I, would, I, would, I would dare say everybody in this room that ever really got saved had a time like that, followed by a time when it wasn't like that. Hopefully you get to the place where a lot of us have gotten to where we realize that, that we've slidden back and, and then we get right with God and we're excited again and we ask ourselves, how did I ever let myself get away from this great God and this amazing peace and joy that God gets? Veil. Oh, how I love Jesus. Not today, Jack, because I'm on, I'm, I'm on my mood. Then we let our mood take over our love. We let our attitude take over our obedience. We, we let our finances take over our faith. Veil, 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 veil. We let other people whisper in our ears and veil, veil. Just, just hiding more of God from us. But whenever, say whenever, someone, not just in a new convert way, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Some of you need to turn to God today in such a way that every veil that has been replaced on your life will be taken away. You ought to want to be able to see God clearly and let everybody that comes in contact, no, no, you're up to something. See, that, that's why people don't flock to the church. The reason why people flock to the church in previous centuries, the reason why uh, huge revivals, I, I don't know if all, all you have. I, I know Stacy Ramos has, has spent a lot of time. Uh, have you spent any time at all studying revivals and, and, and what God has done in the earth in, in big revivals, awakenings? I know she spent a lot of time studying. That's a, we haven't had one in forever. Forever. You know why? Because people with veils on don't see God. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. We, we, don't, we don't even recognize that God blessing other folk and passing us by. We don't even see the activity. Listen, God's always at work. People just aren't always noticing. God's always talking. People just aren't always listening. God's always blessing. People just aren't always under the spout where the glory comes out. God's always honoring people. People just aren't always uh, humble enough to receive it. Veils. You ought to want every veil that's on you to be separated from you so you can see God clearly, so you can experience God more clearly. My, my sister had uh, one of the greatest weddings I've ever seen. Y'all ought to all stop by our office. Y'all got to see that picture. How many of y'all seen that picture uh, of, of a young Dina Mills and Deacon Scott? Uh, 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 yeah. Ain't, 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 ain't they pretty, Connie? Ain't that, ain't that picture awesome? Bliss looked at like, who this? <laughs> said, it, it's a yoke. It's a yoke. Um, but just a beautiful wedding. Um, uh, my, my sister was just always uh, voted best everything, always honor society, always in student government, president of her class. Uh, head cheerleader, head flag girl, 
uh, if she had been on the rifle team, she'd have been head rifle team. But anyway, they just were, and, and I don't know where, where Scott's not in here. He's doing security. Stop by, peek your head in that office and say, Pastor said I can look at your picture. Disturb her and make her let you see the picture. Her husband looked like Clark Gable. Did he or didn't he? Oh, yeah. Deacon Scott was slaying. Trust when I tell you this. And so they were great, great looking people. The, the love that they had. How many times do you know that if you're around somebody that you truly love, uh, you make each other look better? You, you, you catch their shine, they catch your shine. I mean, they had a horse-drawn carriage. They had a, I don't know if it was a 12-course meal. I just remember they told you you couldn't add nothing to it because they were too bougie to let you pick what you wanted to add to it. Club Continental on the river. Just They, they left the wedding chapel and ka-plop, ka-plop, ka-plop. Uh, she swears there weren't pigeons. Let, I swear there was a 1,000 white doves. Well, no white doves? Every time in my mind I think about your wedding, it was like white doves flying everywhere. But it was just an incredible sight. It was a beautiful marriage between two people that love God and love each other. What if your husband on your honeymoon night said, okay, uh, I'm going to get this two by four and I'm going to set it in between me and you because I don't want to touch you and I don't want you touching me. That's an obstacle. Say obstacle. What if a, a week later, he's, every, every night, he kept putting that two-by-four, uh, that, 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 that sheet of plywood between y'all? Eventually, you would get, he don't want me to touch him. He don't want to be anywhere near me. He's scared my foot might rub up. Listen, you ought to want to touch everybody that you love, rub up against the people that God said you're allowed to rub up against, and you ought to want to be close to God. But we put all these obstacles between us and the Lord. I got great news for you today, and I hope you'll do it. If you turn to God in whatever capacity, okay? But here, here's, here's the thing. First step in solving the problem is what? You got to identify it. You got to take ownership of it. You got you to admit, I'm not tithing, and that's wrong. And you turn to God, and you ask God to help take that veil off your... See, because here, here's what you're blind to. Here's what you're blind to when you don't pay the tithe. You're blind to the words of Christ who in Matthew 23, 23 said, you must tithe. Not only that, you're blind to every promise about giving in the Bible. You do not believe that if you gave God money today, you'd get more money as a result of it than not giving him money now. 2% nationally, people that, that come to church tithe. Nobody does lost tithe, or that doesn't come to church tithes, but only 2% of the people that show up tithe. Why? Because 98% of people sitting in churches don't believe the promises of God. If I told you right now, uh, for every dollar you bring me, I'll give you a 20. Anybody want in on that change? Well, okay, well, what, what if it wasn't like that? What if it wasn't, what if it wasn't that tight? What if I said, for every $1 bill you bring me, I'll, 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 I'll trade you a 10 for it? Anybody want in on that? How about all the smart people? What, what if I said, no, that, that's, that's too good. What, what if for every dollar you bring me, I'll, 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 I'll trade you a five out for that? Anybody want in on that? Now, the super smart people would say, if, if you're going to trade me money for money, I bring you a dollar, you give me a dollar twenty, I'll take that all day long because I can't make 20% on my money nowhere else. Anybody smart enough to understand that? Now, the really spiritual people would say, 
I don't care if you give me anything back. You told me to give, so here it is. Do whatever you want to do with it. But when that veil comes up, well, I don't feel, I don't feel like putting my best foot forward today. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent him everywhere we go. How, how is it that we get comfortable being contrary? And I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Get con, do contrary things to what we know God wants us to do. It's because we don't believe the words of Christ. Here's what God said. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6. Here's the whole verse. It says, uh, without faith it's impossible to please God. For whosoever cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Everybody in this room believes that God is. Almost no one in this room believes that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If we did, we'd live different. If we did, we, see, people have been conditioned when the boss is looking. Everybody tries to look busier. When mom or dad pull up in the driveway, everybody starts scurrying, straighten things up. When in reality, God's watching us all the time. And we need to figure out, what, what, where, where is it that I'm struggling? If I'm not reading my Bible enough, God said that we need to study his word. God said we need to meditate in his word morning, noon, and night. God said that his word should be more precious to us than money. If you know you're not reading the word enough, you need to turn to God and say, God, I believe you want me to read the word. Please take away this veil that's stopping me. There's a blockage. You got a blockage on you. You're trying to get from where you are to the next level, but there's a blockage. It's, it's, it's called in this context a veil. How many people believe that uh, Christians in this room can, can have a veil in their life separating them from what, every, everything God wants for them? Mm, I wish I had enough honest people in the room to, that, that would say, I know people in this room have a veil, Pastor, because I've got some veils in my own life. I've got some partitions of closed off in my own life. I throw up some defense in my own life. Mm -mm. That's, that's not what God wants from us. When, when, when Paul said to the Philippians that his only goal, his biggest goal in life was to know God. He already knew God intellectually, but that word know comes from the, uh, the, the, the primary word genosko which means to have intimate knowledge. It's the same word where the Bible says Adam knew Eve and she bare a son. It's to be all wrapped up into them, touching them, holding them so close you couldn't get a piece of paper between them. And we put veils between us. Not only did, were these people willing to have a sheet of paper between them and God, they're willing to have veils between them and God. The common thing to be would be like, Man, take that off. Let everybody see how pretty you are to, to the bride. And what's she trying to spend nine hours on hair and makeup? Wedding be at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. She gets there at 7 o'clock in the morning to do hair. Am I lying? She gets there at 7 o'clock in the morning to do, to do hair and makeup and then just zip. I'm going to tell you all this. Every pretty person in the world is glad masks are out. I don't know if you all saw any of memes used to crack me up. Uh. It, it, it basically showed a, a, a woman with stunning eyes, but she was ugly. And it said, uh, ugly girls with nice eyes love the mask. Why would you in all your beauty veil yourself up on your wedding day? Now, I'm not against masks. Wear a mask if you want. 
especially if you need them. If your health compromised, you, you must. But on your wedding day, you come out there with a big old head thing on, all mag. Ain't nobody see you. You look, you look like a mummy. It doesn't make sense to hide the beauty that God wants to shine through you by putting up obstacles, blockages, veils. And if you want to get it done, if you don't like the way things are going in any certain area, number one, stop blaming other people. Take responsibility for your part. No relationship ever failed on one part. No marriage ever ended in divorce on one part. Maybe that person was horrible, but you did a little something too. They might have beat the brakes off you, uh, but you, you weren't perfect either. Can anybody agree with that? Take responsibility for what you can do different. Turn to God in the area of your struggle and, 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 and guess what's going to happen to the veil? Taken away. Oh, I want every veil I've got to be taken away. I'm sick of me. I'm sick of me. I'm on record right now today. Whatever day. What, what's the day? November 13th. I'm on record right now. November 13th. I'm sick of me and every veil that prevents me from seeing God more clearly and, and for God approaching me more clearly. Uh, I, I've told you for years we ought to desire more of he and less of me. Yeah, you can't get that all veiled up. Those people standing at the bottom of the mountain backing up when Moses came down to tell them what God said, they, they can't get everything God has for them. You can't get what God has for you while you're backing up. But if you'll just turn to God in whatever area of your life you need his help in, his promise is that he'll take the veil away. Verse 17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, you know, in, in some versions, in the King James, it doesn't say, wherever the Lord is, there is, there is free. It says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Now, if you look, and, and I do, I, I, I read eight different translations all the time, sometimes as many as 11, but it's almost even split between freedom and liberty because it basically means the same thing in this concept. Let me, let me tell you what freedom is. Freedom is easier than bondage. Did you get that? Let me tell you what liberty is. Uh, anybody that's ever been in the Navy knows what liberty is. Reg regular military people call it leave, but the Navy calls it liberty. Um, you get liberty, guess what that means? Is liberty a good thing or a bad thing in the Navy? Oh, my goodness. Why? Because you're not bound anymore. You get some freedom. You get some time to spread your wings and fill yourself. Well, God wants us to spread our wings spiritually and be filled up with him. But we can't do it as long as we're staying chained up and bound up to our issues. And hear me good. It ain't what other people are doing to you, and it ain't even what other people have done to you that have created bondage in your life. You could have chose to let all that go and, and love God anyhow. You could have chose to forgive that person in spite of that person and love God anyhow. You could have chose to walk in the command of God and give forgiveness freely to everyone just like God gave freely, forgiveness freely to you. So you got a time out on blaming other people. you got a time out on letting stuff get between you and God. These are all veils. But where the, and, and, and the Spirit of God is not there. Why? Because where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. Listen, 
This, 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 this whole knowing God closely, it's talking about uh, marital intimacy. It's talking about being, being closely connected in an intimate way, smelling and touching each other. And listen, where the Spirit of the Lord is, you can have the lights on or off. Y'all didn't get that reference. All the rules are gone. Why? Because if you're following the Spirit of the Lord, you're not going to do anything wrong. Most of us aren't following the Spirit of the Lord, though. We're following our own belief system. We're following our own standard. We're going this far but no further. we got to let the Spirit of the Lord have His way in our life. In verse 18, it says, So all of us, what type of people is us talking to? All of us Christians who have had that veil removed. If you're saved, you've had the veil removed at some point. Now, you might have put on 50 different veils since then. But God peeled back the veil that stopped you from receiving his grace and mercy and understanding who he is and gave you the faith to believe in him. All of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is that spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. Now, you see that word changed? Say changed. The Spirit of God makes us more and more like God. Do you think God wants His children to look like Him? Act like Him? Behave like Him? Do what He says? Say yes to Him? As we draw close to God, have that veil taken off, believe what He tells us to do, turn to Him in every area of our life, the Spirit of the Lord makes us us more and more like him as we are what changed 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 everybody every one of us me you everybody who calls himself a believer needs to be guess what changed well i think i'm doing pretty good well you definitely need to be changed <laughs> arrogant we all need to be changed into his glorious image. If you, you might be the best Christian in this room. You might be better than all the deacons and elders, Pastor Scott, and everybody else put together. But until you are reflecting an image as glorious as God, you still need to be changed. I wish I had a few people to agree with me. That word changed in the Greek is the Greek word, put it up there, Metamorpho, metamorpho, and it means to change into another form or to transform. Now, somebody who made an A in earth science, uh, tell, tell us, what, what is the common use for the word metamorphosis in, uh, in, 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 our, in our world? Right? But what, what, what creature do we see that in? Changes into a what? It undergoes scientifically a metamorphosis. It, it changes into another form. God wants to take our caterpillar lives and change us into butterflies. God wants to take the nasty off us and change us into glory like him. God wants to take the stink off us and make us altogether lovely the way he is. Oh, but it takes a metamorphosis. Put that, next, put that next thing on the screen. We get out of here. 
Metamorphosis. According to Webster's Dictionary, metamorphosis is a change of either a physical form, a structure, or substance. Listen, especially by supernatural means. This is what Merriam-Webster defines metamorphosis as. It's when something supernatural happens that you're not even in control of. The caterpillar don't sit there, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. The caterpillar don't sit there and read 12 self-help books on how to become a butterfly. The caterpillar just understands, I'm a caterpillar. I'm going to do caterpillar things. And I'm going to do them the right way, and I'm going to turn into a butterfly. Watch me. And it happens. goes on to say, I love this part. But I love, I love words. You don't have to. A striking alteration in appearance or character. What if God stepped in on America right now, on every true Christian, and not just changed us, but changed us in a striking way. Not just changed us, but transformed us to look like him as we walk into our offices and our schools and our communities. This is the plan of the Lord. This is what draws people to Christ. When they see a metamorphosis, they have to look at it. We, we need to be transformed. Christianity is about less of me and more of he. So let me ask you this, and I'm done. What are you willing to lay down for the glory of God? Habits, attitudes, bitterness, laziness, gossip, lying, arrogance, lack of prayerfulness, lack of Bible study, lack of time. What are you willing to lay down and say, you know what, God, I hear you. And I want all these veils taken off of me because I don't want to just hear you. I want to see you. See, the people in Exodus 34, they were, they were okay hearing what God said. As long as they didn't have to get too close to it. As long as it didn't affect them. As long as it didn't change them in a striking way. You know why? Because most of us think we're pretty good as is. But we're not. Most of us think that well, I'm better than someone. At least I don't such a... All the justification for our stankness. We just need to turn to the Lord and say, God, please take these veils off me. Somebody made millions of dollars. They sang a song. It said, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to, I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. I want to see you. But do you believe that that's possible for you? Or do you believe people that say that kind of stuff are just faking it because they read it somewhere? Oh, if you've ever even gotten close to God, he's given you an awareness. He can shine on you. He can shine on you. What anointing is. I told you, for, people talk about anointing on TV like it's some kind of magic wand people wave over you. The anointing is, is, is not magic. The anointing is a person. The anointing is Jesus Christ. But the word anointing means to be rubbed up against something 
to when you leave, it has smeared on you and remained. If I came right, if, if I... If I wipe this hand across your face right now, what's on my hand is going to smear off on you, yes? And it's going to remain. You're going to be like, hmm, turn these men. I like that. It's going to change the way you smell. It's going to change the physical quality of your skin. It's going to make change in you. And most people are like, mm, I'm good. I do me. You do you. We need these veils to be removed. We, but, but to get it, to get it, we got to lay something down for the glory of God. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.